Guys, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, and I'm not uh, I'm not BSing you at all. Mac Weldon, best underwear I've ever worn. You've heard me for many weeks on this show develop an outright relationship, not what just with the company of Mac Weldon, but with their underwear. I love it. I'm telling you, I love it. Once again, I can say with total honesty, I am wearing it right now. It's super cool. Thick waistband, blue underwear, black stripes, look good in it. My wife, before I left the house this morning, was like, I like those underwear on you. My wife is a uh, smart lady. You should listen to her. Mac Weldon's the best smart design. Premium fabric, simple shopping, all the things you're looking for. The, the very comfortable underwear. Not just underwear, though. Socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, all kinds of well-made products. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which guess what that means? Eliminate odor. Very useful thing when it comes to this type of product. And if you don't like that first care, keep it. They don't want to give, they'll give it to you. They'll still refund you. No questions asked. It's a genuinely very, very good product. Very, very cool company. Uh, nice people to deal with. Nice product to wear. Can't say enough kind things about Mal- Mac Weldon, my friends and yours. Go to MacWeldon.com, get 20% off using promo code BEAUTIFUL. This is me personally telling you from a very real place. I like this stuff. MacWeldon.com, 20% off, promo code BEAUTIFUL. Hello, listeners. Everybody has a story, and some people tell theirs, and now you're going to listen in on them like a fly on the wall. It's beautiful, anonymous. One caller, one hour, no names, no holds barred. Everybody out there, every single person listening right now, you've wanted love at some point. Your version of it, maybe uh, maybe not the traditional, maybe very traditional. You've been looking for love. And uh, if you have been, this call today is going to fill you either with a lot of hope or endless frustration because this young guy tells us what it was like to find love via modern technology and also a lot of millennial abbreviations. Uh, if you're a fan of love, of rom-coms, or J-Lo... You're, this is your dream come true. And uh, caller, thank you for calling. And anybody else out there who wants to be a, an audio exhibitionist, tell me about your life. Just follow me on Twitter. I tweet out the number when I'm in the studio. No set time. Not a gross play for Twitter followers. It's just how we do things here. Enjoy this call. Caller, thank you again so much. And make sure you listen to the end for my horrific singing voice. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hey, how's it going? I'm good, how are you? I'm pretty good. Happy Tuesday? Yeah, you too. What's going on with you? Are you in like a wind? Are you in like wind? You walking around in the wind? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I had to go inside. I just stepped outside to go inside somewhere else where I could talk. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I could tell you were... Is it better? It is. It's much better. I could tell you where I, I I don't I want to know your name and I don't know I don't want to know where you are, but I can already discern that it's incre- incredibly windy there where you are. It's quite windy. <laughs> but not the windy city. Okay, good clue. Good clue. Okay. Um, thank you for calling. What did you want to What did you want to talk about today? Uh, well, you know, I listen to your show. Huge fan. Thanks. Um, and I guess. Th- there was one time when you were talking about your wife, actually, and how she was um, 
your best friend. And like, as soon as you met her, you knew that she was the one. And so I guess that kind of really struck a chord with me and, uh, and kind of my life and something that happened to me. So I don't know. It's, um, I was always one of those kids growing up that was like, Oh, your OTL, your one true love is out there. Hopeless romantic. Every time I went on a date, like if he wasn't the one, you know, didn't want to have kids or whatever, get married eventually. Um, which I got a lot of flack from my friends for asking those types of things on the first date. But <laughs> I don't know, just not wanting to wait through all the wrong ones to find the right one. Um, so I thought it was interesting that, you know, you yourself, when you found the right one, you know, you went for it. Well, I should I should also be clear. Me and my wife, um, Hallie, we actually knew, we, we knew each other for a bunch of years before we got together. Um, but, but I knew on our second date. But we'd actually been friends for years. So that's a little bit. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a little, I think, you know, um, I, I don't know which episode exactly I talked about that in, but... I have a feeling you may have heard a little bit of what you want you want to hear in that one. <laughs> Maybe, you know, um, it's always something you want to hear. But you know, to that end, I uh, I did find my OTL finally. So I think when I heard that from you that you know you found yours, I just kind of it's like giving hope to the hopeless romantic. You know oh, what I mean? That's good. So first of all, I want to applaud you on your consistent use of the phrase OTL. It's very, very millennial. I, it's very, very millennial. I enjoy it. Um, have you heard it before? I've never heard OTL, but I find you know what I've found through doing this show is there's many abbreviations and um, and and current young people terminology that I'm I'm not up on. Like someone someone once in an episode referred to a designated driver as a DD, and I was like, I've never heard that. Uh, and I called the guy a frat boy, and then everybody on Twitter was like, no, that's just what that is. And I was like, all right, I don't drink. I, had, who, I didn't know that. It is what it is. I think I was DD a lot of the time in high school. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and that's what we called it. But um, So how'd you know? Yeah, that's how, interesting. How'd you know that you stumbled into the OTL? How did you know? Uh, well, it's kind of an interesting story. So I'd say about like three and a half years ago, I was at a gay club, and I'm obviously gay, um, and just saw this guy across the room and was just like, that guy's great, you know, my perfect guy, tall, handsome, dimples, um, just, yeah. And then my friend who I was with was like, well, go talk to him. And I was like, I can't, like, I just can't go talk to him. Uh, too bashful, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then she actually came over to me, this guy. And we talked, we had a, you know, great conversation. One thing led to another, you know, uh, back to my place. And, you know, the next day, just again, really hit it off. But he, of course, lived across the country. Uh, literally, we were separate coasts. So he just went back to his coast and that was it, you know. Um, people would always ask, like, describe your perfect guy. And I'd be like, you know, it's so funny. I met him. He's, and I would picture him and describe him perfectly. Um, and it was great. And then, you know, obviously didn't see him again, separate coast. And then I'd say a year and a half ago from now, so two years from when we originally met, I was, there was a snow day where I was at, so you probably guess what coast I'm on. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I got drunk at a bar with a friend and we were just kind of scrolling through our phones, you know, it's the age of Tinder and stuff. And I was so over everyone because I hadn't found my OTL. And I was like, 
let's just text someone randomly from our past. Like, just to say hi, what's up? It's a snow day, it's a magical day, whatever. So I texted him just to be like, hey, you don't know, you might not remember me, but, you know, we met a few years ago, blah, blah, And he totally was like, yeah, totally nice, met you, but, like, he'd never been back to where I was from, so, and I'd never been back to where he was from, so just kind of was like, hi, how are you? Okay, bye. And that was it. So a couple months later, I was in L.A., but, like, with my family, like, sharing a room with my little sister that connected to a room with my parents. <laughs> and I think I just said something, but... Uh, oh, that's okay. Who cares? Uh, uh, so, yeah, so texted him again. He was, again, very nice to respond, but it also was like, I'm not going to come drive and meet you. Um, you're sharing room with your family. So that was it, and I kind of thought all things were just, again, nice, but just whatever. And then, again, fast forward a few months of July last year, and I was out there for two weeks for work and just, you know, uh, busy, um, really busy late nights just working and I get a text out of nowhere from him that says, are you in LA? Um, completely random. And I guess he had found me on Tinder. So wow. out of all the people in LA and whatever, he found me. So, um, yeah, we met up for drinks. And then again, I thought it was a one night thing. And I went back to my coast, um, and thought that was it. But then turns out, actually, he texted me the next day. And we started texting every day. And soon, like, I nicknamed him, like, Millennials do. And I was like, oh, OTL, like, you know, he's texting still or, you know, he sent me a selfie or whatever. But then soon texting every day turned into me going back out there, like, a month and a half later. Then soon he came here in September. And before I knew it, we were boyfriends. And then before I knew it, he decided to move out here. So what became, like, what was originally a nickname actually turned out to be, like, my OTL. And now we pretty much live together. Uh, we're moving in, in at the end of the summer and already have plans to get a dog. And, yeah. Wow, a dog. That's huge. Both dog people. That's incredible. I'll tell you what. I never uh, the idea that you the idea that you could meet anybody in a club and actually be, uh, like, uh be able to even have a conversation with them is astounding. And let alone that the, uh, the second, the second Hail Mary pass that came through was Tinder. Those seem like two environments, one real and one digital that don't lend themselves to long-term relationships, let alone miraculous rom-com style love stories. Right. It's, Brianna was right. I, you know, she found love in a hopeless place. So did we. <laughs> You've used that line before. Oh, yeah. It's like our song. We're going to play it down the aisle as we walk. You've already talked about getting married. Oh, yeah. I told you. I've asked people on first dates if they ever saw themselves getting married or having kids. Did you ask You asked this guy this in the club? Were you, like, shouting over the music? Like, <laughs> how do you feel about matrimony? Yeah. In the club. In the I club. I like pull out a little notepad. No, <laughs> no. Okay. But I wouldn't consider that a first date. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty beautiful. And how, how long have you been together now, would you say? Like, all told, would you say you've actually been together before making the, the moving in together decision? Uh, well, I mean, we just reconnected last July. So that's, you know, just under a year ago. Uh, so probably moving quickly. But again, like, it just feels slash is right, you know? And maybe it's like a young foolish thing but you know 
that's something I haven't felt before, and he hasn't either. And she's actually, you know, uh, several years older than I am. Um, but it just, yeah, it just feels right. And I don't know, you know? <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. No hesitation, no doubt. No doubt. Wow. Pretty excited. And you said you're moving in together this summer. Yeah. Are you getting in a place? Is he moving into your place, or are you getting a new place together? No, the city I live in is it's a lot of times cheaper to live with someone just because it's so expensive here. Uh, and I live in a tiny studio, so we're both very tall men, and it's already spending a lot of time in my place as we do. It's a small studio is not good for two six foot four men <laughs> and a dog in the future. Wow! And how can I ask how old you are? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. And have you lived with? Have you ever lived with a significant other before, like someone who's not your OTL necessarily? I actually have twice. You have twice, so you're all about <laughs> yeah. the long term relation. You're all about the LTR. You never LTR for the OTL. You never found the OTL before, but you've always been about the LTR. So you're not much of a YOLO type. You like the LTRs. LTR, yeah. Not much of a ONS type. Much more to the LTR. <laughs> No, and unfortunately, ONS does not lead to LTR. Yeah. Usually. I'm just proud. But it did in this case, so. I'm just really proud that I managed to say all those things and we communicated just through the letters and it came through clearly. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you have Urban Dictionary open on your computer. I don't. I don't actually. But maybe I should. Maybe I should get it open. But I'm just trying to. <laughs> I'm just trying to focus on you the title. Should dual screen it. <laughs> <laughs> so so you're 28, he's in his 30s, it's time to go for it. Time, yeah. Yeah, well, that sounds like my mother. My mother's like, well, you know, his biological clock is ticking, he'll be 40 soon. And I'm like, okay, calm down <laughs> a second there. His it's a different type of clock. Yeah, his bi- his biological clock, that's that's not a... Uh... It's not exactly exactly the traditional, but who cares about <laughs> who cares about the traditional in 2016, right. right? Who gives a shit about the traditional anymore? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly my thought. Yeah. So yeah, you know what yeah. I'll I'll say and and uh, I, I I hope I won't offend, but it seems like we got a good we got a good relationship going on. It's totally. a, it's so cool to like. I feel like like one of the great, beautiful things about all the social movements that I would say, especially the past five years, there's been a real shift towards like let's uh, let's look at things like sexuality, gender, self determination as like a really important thing that's important for us to all stand up and get behind. And it's not easy; it's not changing. All this bullshit in North Carolina is still going on, where it just makes you roll your eyes and like shake your head but I think like one of the things that I think is so eye-opening for people maybe not on the coast and not in metropolitan areas to hear is just the idea of like oh no like you can you can be gay and want a long-term relationship you can be looking for one true love it's not I feel like the stereotype in a big way is like oh no it's like it's like many relationships it's many it's like uh living fast and and hard and young I really like I really like uh I feel like the more educated and the more worldly I've become moving on from being a guy who grew up in North Jersey to someone who's lived in New York City and actually gets to know people and be around communities and become parts of communities. It's like, all right, everyone's a human being just looking for love at the end of the day. And it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's such a good thing. It's such a good, it's sad. It's sad that that's like a momentous thing to me 
that right. we can remember that people are just people and that there's no there's no lifestyle to just being who you are. You know what I mean? Totally. And it's you know, it's interesting to uh can I say where I live right now? That's yeah. fine or no? I don't, I don't care. Who cares? Do you care? I don't care. Okay. I don't care. Not at all. So I live in New York. Um, New York City. Oh, I was thinking um, Boston like, for some reason. I don't know why I had Boston. Oh, really? In my head. Yeah. Is it snow day? Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Snow day. Snow day sounds um, more Boston. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, there's a, you know, a year and a half ago there was that major snowstorm, uh, and there was one this year. But um, anyway. Yeah, it's interesting, like, having lived here for the past, like, six years as soon as I graduated school, I went to college in North Carolina. So I went to school down there and grew up in the Midwest and, again, just wasn't out until, like, my junior year of college just because it wasn't, like, I was always going to be me whether or not I was out of the closet. So I was just kind of like, whatever, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's, you know, discipline down the day when everyone in high school, like, isn't out or game but same thing with college like you always are questioning but again i chose to go to southern private college in you know north carolina so that's my own decision and then it wasn't until knowing that i wanted a career that in advertising which is huge in new york i went there during the summer between my junior and senior year and like met a boy on an airplane like this was another rom-com like on the flight <laughs> like i was supposed to sit in the window seat but there's this old woman sitting in my seat and i was like don't get up i'll take the seat in front of you where you're supposed to be that there turns my right and there's a really cute boy and we ended up dating for just, you know what i mean like just another moment of new york and he just kind of was like kind of pushed me to like i was you know comfortable with like wanted to be with this guy like i need to be out so went back to school for my senior year and had a you know, was a president of a big organization. So I was out and I think that was like a bigger thing for the school. But then like, as soon as you come back to New York, like who cares? Everyone's out here. So, um, it's just interesting to compare those two things. And then especially like as Tinder and all those things started to grow in the city and you're trying to meet someone, but like you go to clubs and you go to places and you're either seeing the same people all the time or there's just people everywhere. Um, you know, dating apps seem really, desirable but then like as soon as you're on them you're like i don't know grinders in a big app here obviously that is mostly about sex and that's totally not what i'm into so like never had it but when tinder came out i was like it's exciting this is for people who are looking for relationships but then i actually felt like i was living the gay stereotype because everyone i went on dates with from tinder just wanted sex and they were just using a different app to get it and i was disappointed and it was just like whatever but then I'd go visit some friends in Chicago who were gay, and they'd be like, oh, no, I have met some really great guys. Like, my two-year boyfriend I met on Grindr. And then you realize, like, other places don't have that same lifestyle. So it's almost, I don't know. I feel like that's a thought that's a little scattered in a way, if, you know, up here, what you said. But I think it's harder in a city where there are more gays and more out gays to find people looking for long-term things because a lot of people are just looking for sex or something. And there's just so many people also looking for that, that that becomes the overall stereotype of the city, which people outside the city perceive. And then once you're in it, you're kind of living it and it's kind of hopeless, which is why on first dates I ask, you know, are you in this just for tonight? Or are you in this for the next hundred thousand nights? You know? Yeah. So you still, you said you grew up in the Midwest. So you, you, you still got the Midwest, you got the Midwestern values in a big way. I like to think so. I, even though I've been here six years, like if someone ever, I'm fine if people ask 
me, you know, stop me for directions. Like, that makes me feel good. But then if someone calls me in New Yorker, I'm very offended. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I like that you're, I mean, you're meeting people on planes through random seat reassignments, miracle evenings in clubs. You are, you're something of like a, like a modern day gay John Cusack, huh? Just like living through oh my mul- God. multiple rom-coms. I've actually, I've actually had someone roll up outside my window and play that song. No, you haven't. Say anything. That can't be true. <laughs> Actually, no. So you're telling yeah. me. You're telling me you've lived through so many rom-com moments that I just compared you to John Cusack, star <laughs> of many of my favorite rom-coms, and you're telling me someone has held a boombox playing that. Uh, what was that? Peter Gabriel. It was it in your eyes, in my eyes, in my eyes. Yeah. Well, this is the millennial age, so he held up his iPhone while he was sitting on his city bike, but yeah, pretty much the same thing. No! No! <laughs> someone rolled up outside your window on a city bike and played that song. To woo you? Is this someone who you're in the process of breaking up with? Uh, yeah, I actually did jump in the next time I saw him. I would imagine because that sounds good on paper, but you don't do that. It's stalker behavior. But so, No, yeah. So he was, your, he was Lloyd Dobler and you were his Diane Court. I usually do play the female roles, yeah. <laughs> you do? Wow. I've, I have found that amongst my, uh, amongst my gay friends saying, like, the female role is something that people often get a little frustrated with, though. But you, you, that's how you, uh, you identify that way. Uh, well, I think we'd have to further describe what the female role meant. I just want more in, like, a situational, who's the male lead and who's the female. <laughs> as you far, <laughs> so you're saying, as, you're speaking specifically to the rom-com tropes. Exactly, exactly, not, yeah. Not through larger cultural implications or, right. po- like, or political Right, more than J-Lo ways. than the Matthew McConaughey, yeah. <laughs> You're looking for your hashtag OTL. It's probably not happening this minute. But you know what is happening this minute? Some ads from the sponsors who allow this show to happen. Guys, today's show is sponsored by Howl.fm, which is like Netflix, but for podcasts. And the entire archive of one of my favorite podcasts of all time, The Art of Wrestling with Colt Cabana. You can now get it exclusively on Howl Premium. You can discover or rediscover over 300 episodes of hilarious stories, special guest interviews, rare wrestling music, and more. And I will tell you, it is the best podcast. I just went back and listened to the the Rowdy Roddy Piper two-parter and Colt Cabana gets people to you don't even have to be a wrestling fan. It's just great conversations with people who live in a very specific world and lifestyle. Cannot recommend it. My buddy Colt, real true friend of mine, real kindred spirit. And if you love Colt Cabana, Howl Premium also gives you access to Pro Wrestling Fringe, a mini series from Colt Cabana that you won't find anywhere else. With Howl Premium, you also get access to more than 150 hours of Howl original mini series, including shows from Jermaine Clement, a fl- Flight of the Concords or Issa Rae, and over 100 comedy albums. New Howl original episodes and comedy albums are released every single week. If you haven't signed up for Howl yet, you can use code BEAUTIFUL when you check out on Howl.fm to get a month of Howl Premium for free. And after your full month of free trial, it's only $4.99 per month to get all this exclusive content on your iPhone, Android, and on the web. To redeem your promo code, make sure you create an account on the web at Howell.fm. Enter the code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. That's H-O-W-L dot F-M. Use the promo code BEAUTIFUL for a one-month free trial of Howell Premium. Let's get back to the phone call because true love, true love ain't going to find itself 
And uh, I like I like hearing about how this guy did. Let's uh, let's do it. Right, like I'm more of the J Lo than the Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So when it comes specifically to the paths that these relationships walk, you are less. <laughs> I love that. So I had a que- I had a question that's sticking in my head. If that's okay with you, what was that like? So you 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 described this window of time that sounds really really interesting to me. So if I remember right, it sounds like you came to New York um, for a stretch in college. And someone convinced you, no, you need to be out. And then you went back, and it, it sounds like you almost had, like, a little bit of, like, a, uh, like, almost like a, so you come to New York where it's being being gay. is. I mean, it couldn't be less of a big deal. Right. But then you went back to North Carolina, and you said that you were the president of an organization, and it was a big deal. So what was that like? Because I would imagine if you're on a small campus in North Carolina where you said it was uh, a little bit of a big deal, like what's that like to go from you just came out of the closet to all of a sudden you're in an environment where that really like now you represent something to people? What's that like? Right. Well, and it, you know, to his credit or discredit, he didn't try and convince me to come out of the closet. It was more just like evaluating a relationship and the respect that it deserves and just saying like, you know what? I should really be out for this. And then, you know, summer ended, he and I actually broke up and I went back to school and I was like, you know what, this kind of showed me a lot about myself. Like I need to be out. Cause like, you know, it's, it's, you, you don't know, you're not gay, but it's a lot to keep inside. So it was a very slow process to come out too, which was, you know, it's always like you run through your head and you're like, who do I tell first? Like, do I tell my parents first or my best friend first? Or like, you know, who do you tell? So, um, yeah, I uh, went went back to home, like back to my home for like a week to try to go back to school. And I was like, the person I need to tell first is like my best friend. And she and I have been best friends since we were like 12. And like, you know, we just tell each other everything. And so I, you know, sat in the car and told her everything. Uh, and it was really great. You know, she was really encouraging and very supportive. And she's like, go back to school and just like live your last year, just like being completely who you are. So went back to school and was like, yeah, I'm the president, but also I just happened to be gay. And like, it was funny. I actually got in a fight with the head of the GSSA, uh, the Gay Straight Student Alliance, um, because they would be like, they would say a lot of times like, oh, well, why aren't you more involved in the gay student? I don't know. They, I felt like that organization, I'm not trying to slice them because I'm sure at every school they're all different, but like they very much wore a victim flag and like we got in a huge fight and Basically, it was like, well, you guys are, I basically wanted me to be gay first, then, you know, who I am. I almost said my name. So, and I was like, no, like, I am who I am, and I just have to be gay. So, I think that's kind of the mentality of, like, not just being who you are. So, I think it was much easier to come out by just finally saying, you know what, like, I haven't been true to who I am because I've been keeping something a secret. And uh, it was actually pretty great. So, when I went home for Thanksgiving that last senior year, I sat my parents on the couch together and was like, I have to tell them. I have a couple of siblings. They weren't home yet. And I was like, I have to tell my parents first. So I just sat there and was like, you know, you're telling your things through your head and you're sweating through your clothes. Like, what are the ways that I can say this? And so I just spit it out. And I was like, I have to tell you something. And they both kind of looked at me and were like terrified because they're like, well, what's she going to say? And I was like, I'm gay. And they were like, silent (laughs) but um yeah 
silence. And then my mom asked if she could hug me. And then she did. And then I went up to my room and uh, my dad came up to me and he's like, you know, um, growing up and thinking about my family, I never wanted to have three sons or three daughters or whatever. He's like, I just wanted my kids to be happy. And so you telling me that you've been gay this whole time, is just like you telling me you've had blue eyes instead of brown. Like, as long as you're happy, that's all I've ever asked for. So, like, my parents have been extremely supportive from the very beginning, which I think plays a lot into it. And then from there, it was just, you know, who's next in the list of people to cross off on telling. Wow, that hug from your mom must have been one. That must be the best hug you ever had, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, she she's always known. You know, it's kind of like one of those things that your friends and your parents tell you, like, well, we've always thought, but we never wanted to be the ones to ask, you know? And when I was three... I asked, I was like, what do you want your birthday party to be? And I said, my little ponies. And she's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. So she threw me a my little ponies birthday party for like kindergarten, invited the whole class, which I think was pretty progressive for the Midwest at the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Your parents sound like really good people. Yeah. yeah they're great. So when you're, can I, can I ask you some things that I've always wanted to ask, um, you know, friends of mine and, and just like, I don't think anything's a big deal, but like, so when you're still closeted, but you're exploring and you said you had had some experiences with men before you came out, are those like, is hiding, is like hiding them a major factor or is it something that it's like, this is just off the radar from what I'm letting people in my everyday life see and I'm exploring it. Does it, here's a question I've always had when you're having this, when you're having these hookups or you're having these experiences, does that like, does the, does the hidden nature of them add to it in any way? Does it make it like hotter or does it, does it base it with guilt? Like what's that like? I've always wondered. It's a, it's a mix. I kind of almost like, it's compared to adultery. Like you feel like you're cheating on your friends, not your like husband or wife, you know, like (laughs) you're sneaking around behind their back. You're having all these affairs and there's like a part of it that's like, Ooh, this is, you know, fun. Let's go hook up in a car. But other times you're like, Oh, okay. You know, starting to like this person, but I'm not ready to talk about it. They're not ready to talk about it. We're both not ready to talk about it. So it very much is like you're having an affair, but the person you're cheating on is everyone. (laughs) Wow. I've never heard it described like that. Do you have any relationships? Like, are there any, are there any people you remember from those days when you were figuring it out or he was figuring it out where you're like, ah, that could have been, cause you're someone who's always been looking for the OTL. That was your priority. Are there any people that are like, you feel like, ah, that was like, that was two ships passing in the night and that could have really been something if we were ready for it. Uh, you know, it's funny too, that when you just said figuring out, I just thought to myself, what was I figuring out? Uh, cause I've always known. So it's never oh, been right. like a, am I gay, am I not? It's like a, oh, when should I just start talking about it? Um, and you just kind of look for the rational right time, which obviously for me was when New York entered my life. Um, but honestly, because, you know, I wasn't trying to figure it out. I was kind of new. I, was, I wasn't I yeah. was doing a ton of exploring, if that makes sense. So all those shifts that passed in the night were fine. You know, I could have poked holes in them and sunk them. Like, I truly, like, when I looked, especially like when, I don't know, you meet someone that you're ready to settle down with and get married and have this whole life with OTL, hashtag OTL. Hashtag, um, hashtag OTL. You are killing me. You've, you've, 
over and over again committed to it, and I do <laughs> applaud you for that. Thank you. I mean, I truly hope that's the title of this, if this ever makes it to the um, Oh, wow, the first official request for a title. The first person to ever <laughs> officially request their own <laughs> their own title for it. That's fun. I'm so, <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, yeah, so I just totally lost what I was saying. Oh, but like, yeah, once you find your hashtag RTL, looking back, like, everyone is just like, oh, that was nice. So like, there's some good qualities about them, but obviously there's something about them that wasn't right or else it would have happened. Yeah, yeah that relationship would have been one that perhaps emboldened you to take that step earlier out of passion for that relationship. Yeah. And I also just think that like, I don't know, this is like something cheesy, but like for me personally, like when I think back to when I first met my OTL and I like think back on that night in the that club and I can see him perfectly from that night. Like I have that burn into my mind. And like when I was looking at him and was like, I can't talk to him. Like, I just can't. Like, part of me, again, the hopeless romantic in me thinks to myself, like, was that love at first sight? You know, like, did I think at that moment, like, oh my God, this is the one. And it just took a few years and it was the right, you know, timing in terms of being in LA in terms of just like randomly, like, if I hadn't have texted him that one time, then I don't know. Like, there's all these questions about like, or did the stars just align and it all worked out? And I just won really lucky man. Wow. And are you are you a fan of the romantic comedy as a genre? Am I what? Are you a fan of romantic comedies? I mean, who isn't? <laughs> Fair question. Fair response. But it feels like it does feel like you've either fallen into them over and over again or you're actively looking to live them. <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit of both. No, I think it's just you know, I don't know, looking for, everyone's looking for love and everyone calls something different. I've obviously put a hashtag on it, but <laughs> I don't know. I hope it's not, I hope, yeah. What are your favorite ones? What are your favorite okay. romantic comedies? Oh my God. I had a feeling you were going to ask this. Um, as soon as we start talking about them, like she's going to ask my favorite one and now I'm drawing a complete blank. But honestly, one of the best ones I think is Pretty Woman. Pretty Julia woman. Roberts in any rom-com is a, a huge win. Huge win, Julia Roberts. Say anything. Do you not I agree? No, I, I, it's, 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 she's never been totally my cup of tea um, as far as like seeking it out, but I don't, I don't disagree. I always, I always looked a little bit towards – it's so funny that you say that because you say you've always sort of walked the more – like in, in your life you would play – you would fall into more of the female rom-com function – Whereas I look straight to Lloyd Dobler. I look straight to the uh, disaffected young man just looking for love. Nobody quite understands him, but man, if they could only see what he had to offer, they would realize how beautiful he is on the inside. I always look to that. So you say you feel more like a Jason Biggs than American Pie? I, let's not put those words in my mouth. I don't think anybody's looking to stand up on a, I don't think anybody's looking to get up on a soapbox, soapbox and shout the words, I highly identify with Jason Biggs from American Pie. But you know what I just did? My wife and I, we just rewatched Pretty in Pink. Have you watched that movie lately? Uh, not lately, but I've seen it, yeah. That movie's actually, by modern standards, terrifying. Oh my God. 
It's actually really, it's about a boy stalking a girl. John Cryer is just stalking right. Molly Ringwald, that whole movie. Yeah, imagine with, what he could do with modern technology if they remade that. Oh my God, her life would have been a nightmare. She, she, he, like, like that movie, you could, pretty, pretty in pink, it would not be surprising. Like from the 2016 perspective, you're about two thirds of the way through that movie and you're like, is this going to end with Ducky Boy like trapping Molly Ringwald in a basement and holding her there for seven years? <laughs> like, has that feel? There's a scene in that movie where he hangs out with her dad and she's not around. That's like that's like so there's I can't imagine any high school any high school girlfriend I had or any girl <laughs> I was pining for where it would ever have been appropriate for me to be drinking beers with her dad in the backyard telling the dad how much I loved her. I can't imagine <laughs> it not being but so many rom-coms. The Graduate, you watched The Graduate recently? Not recently, no, but yeah, again, I've seen it, yeah. Another one where it's just a stalker who wins. There's a lot of, a lot of rom-coms are basically, a lot of rom-coms from the 70s and 80s are effectively, the plot is a, a stalker wins. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably more like the late 90s, early 2000s when they started to get a little bit happier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The age of Julia Roberts. Age of Julia Roberts. You, you point towards Julia, you point to JR as a big turnaround. For the rom-com genre. J.R., J.Lo, yeah. J.R., J.Lo, many, many uh, J's, many J's affect you deep in your core. <laughs> I like that. One of the saddest nights of my life revolved around Jerry Maguire, I'll tell you that. I actually haven't seen that one. It's good. It's not, it's not what you thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be sports. It's actually one of the most romantic movies I've ever seen. Literally the reason I haven't seen it is because it's about sports. Yeah, no, it's barely about sports. Oh. It's like the guy works as a sports agent. But that would be like saying that the story you told me is about advertising. Like, that's how much Jerry Maguire is about sports. Like, you offhandedly mentioned right. that you're in advertising and then told me a beautiful story about meeting a, a, a boy in a club and having this cross-continental technology-driven love affair that's right. not about advertising. Jerry Maguire is great. You'd love it. That's like saying Made in Manhattan is about housekeeping. There you go. There you go. Like you offhandedly mentioned right. that you're in advertising and then told me a beautiful story about meeting a, a, a boy in a club and having this cross-continental technology-driven love affair that's right. not about advertising. Jerry Maguire's great. You'd love it. That's like saying Made in Manhattan is about housekeeping. There you go. There you go. So what else do I need to know about your OTL? What makes them, what makes them so great? Uh-oh. Hello? Yeah, hey. To the line? Oh, there you are. It sounded like the line dropped. Yeah, I thought so, too. That was a scary moment for me, for both of us, because we got 26 minutes left. I, well, I made a reference to housekeeping in J-Lo, and then I thought you guys hung up on me. You think the are the first we've been hung up on once here at Beautiful Anonymous. You thought the first the first time I would hang up on someone else is rage, rage over a J Lo mention. Make it known, anyone who calls you, in the future, you never mention J Lo on this show. I thought I hit like a quota. I said it like five times now, and you're afraid the lawyers were going to come after you. No, not at all. Are you so are you you're a legit J Lo fan, or is this just a thing we? Uh, I. Really, I'm not. I guess it's just trending this conversation. Yeah, fair. I was gonna. I, I asked though when the line had dropped, what what uh what makes your OTL so great? Like, what was what made it outside of the height and the dimples, which I believe you mentioned in the first description? How did you know? 
Uh, I think, again, you know, when I first saw him, it was just kind of like, just so cheesy, but like the eyes, you know, like you look at someone's eyes and you see their smile and like the way he smiled and his eyes smiled and you just kind of look like that was when I first knew. And then as soon as we started talking and like, even to this day, you know, he's incredibly smart, extremely witty. Uh, we have a lot of shared interests, but also like not everything is shared, you know, we're not too similar. Um, and yeah, he's just kind of really clever and creative and quick witted and makes a lot of dad jokes, which I think are hilarious and, um, incredibly handsome. I don't know. It's just like you meet someone who's like, it's the full package of everything. Like if you wrote it down and put it into a machine, he's what would come out, you know? Yeah. Nice eyes and dad jokes. That would, that's what you've been looking for this whole time. You know, and the dad jokes wasn't even on the list. It was just kind of like an added bonus. <laughs> Did you guys meet in a club in Manhattan? Yeah, in Hell's Kitchen. Again, stereotypical gay. Stere- that is, I will say, from, from the perspective, that is a little, that is the stereotype. But that is, I mean, but the stereotype is not that you end up li- moving across the country to live with someone you meet in a Hell's Kitchen gay club. That is certainly not oh. the stereotype. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it is. And, uh, you know, I've been to that club many times before and after that meeting, and it's just like, wow, <laughs> what? What a lucky break. Really? The people in that club are questionable. Yeah. <laughs> what is but this? again, I can't say that without pointing a finger at myself because obviously I've been there before. What many is the, times. What is the general tone of this club? What is it that makes the people uh, questionable, as you say? Uh, it's, you know, it's like Grindr IRL, you know? So it's, it's, a, it's a hookup. You know what IRL stands for? In real life. Do you want to give me just a general yeah, rundown okay. of millennial abbreviations? Just to see. Oh, I feel like I'm an old man when it comes to millennials, even though I know I'm smack right in it. Uh, OTL, uh, IRL, I nailed those. What else? What are the ones that I won't get? I don't even. You're putting me on the spot here. I don't know. I'd have to open up my Instagram feed. <laughs> you have to open up your Instagram feed. I feel like you're doing a pretty great job. I try to keep up. I've, I just turned um, 36 last week. And it's officially... Oh, happy birthday. Thank you so much. But I'll tell you the thing about being 36 is you're officially... That's, that's your middle age. You're past... Like, I'm not... Nobody's... Uh, I might still live young. I might still live with a youthful spirit. Not young anymore, my friend. <laughs> no, you said 36 isn't bad. My boyfriend's 35. 35. 35 so. That's great. It's a great age. 35 is great. 36 officially was. I'm cuz you know what else I've noticed too is like I've you know I've been an actor for years and I used to get part like my my first acting gigs Conan O'Brien on a show used to bring me in cuz I was like 21 but I I looked like I was 16 and I could play a high school student they wouldn't have to pay an actual 16 year old. And now in internet comments people often say that I look like I'm in my 50s. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I, I don't know. I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm old. You're young. You're young uh, and you're in love. Well, yeah, and I actually look younger than I am. And a lot of times, like, if someone will hit on me at a bar or ask how old I am, I'll just turn to them and go, I'm 17 and my dad's a cop. 
Matt don't like that. You will. Why will you actively chase people away? Oh, sometimes you just know by looking at them whether they're not. Yeah. I don't know. That's... Those are like the creepy old guys at the bar that shouldn't. I don't know. Oh, so there's there's people. Not into. There's a, there's a a trend of uh, <laughs> trolls, right? Or trolls, it's people trolling. Yeah. Yeah. Although you are dating an older man who loves dad jokes. Oh, but he's no troll. Yeah, that's good. He sounds hot. You've described him as extremely handsome. Oh, he is. So are you guys as a he's couple, a, are you watch, smoking you hot? 30 Rock? I do watch. I, of course I watch 30 Rock, yeah. Uh, do you ever see, I'm assuming you have then, the John Hamm episode when Tina takes him out of the bubble, the handsome bubble? Yeah. I made Oscar watch that the other day because we go out, he gets free drinks for like someone will forget to put something on his bill and like all this sort of stuff. I'm like, you need to see this episode because this is your life. And so I, now I've been taking him out of his bubble a little bit. <laughs> Wait, you just compare? I just said your guy sounds handsome and you compared him to the most handsome man in modern society? John Hamm? He looks like John yeah. Hamm? Well, he gets treated like he looks like John Hamm. They're slightly different, but. You yeah. lucky motherfucker. This is, uh, hot, this is a smoking hot man right here. He is. You know who I vote for? As a, I've just, a friends of mine just recently yelled at me because I always bring up the most attractive man on earth in my mind is uh, Idris Elba. Okay. Holy shit, that's an attractive person. I'd climb into bed with Idris Elba. <laughs> I'd see how it went. Oh, maybe he'll listen to this. Oh. I'll give you a shot. Oh, a boy can dream. A boy can dream. I'm sure your wife would be willing to join. Who knows? Who knows? I'm not going to get into my wife's sexual. Uh, I, we're pretty, we're very, I'm, we're very happy. I would not. Idris, in a <laughs> theoretical world as a single man, Idris Elba. Idris Elba, Amari Stoudemire from the New York Knicks, Morrissey. Those are three people who I'd give it a real long, I'd give that a real look. I'd give those a real look. But you know what? I'm a married man and it's a moot point because it's not a, these are all fantasy. This is a fantasy world. Right, and they're all straight. Yeah, to my knowledge, yeah, yeah. I'd stand out. I'd stand outside Idris Elba's window, cranking in your eyes. <laughs> See how he like that. Yeah, I think he'd probably call the cops on you, which is probably what I should have done too. <laughs> As he was that a real? Was that like when some? <laughs> so when a guy rolls up on a city bike, when you look, when you hear that music and you look outside, and this is a guy who you're thinking of breaking up with, and his last ditch effort is to sit on a city bike, playing a uh, romantic comedy trope. Is that one? Do you just feel sad for him? Is that just true sadness all around? A little bit, yeah. Because then you feel like you have to go outside, and I'm sure other people have heard it. Like, I don't know. It depends on the person, but like this person should have gotten the signal well in advance of this last ditch effort. Because we should. But he was an actor too, so he was into the dramatic. Oh. oh, and we should explain for anybody who's not familiar, who hasn't been to New York the past few years, City Bike. It's like a bike sharing program, but there's these they're these big bulky blue. It's not a cool thing to roll up outside someone's house on. No, <laughs> no, it really isn't. <laughs> and that also means like you go out there, so you go outside, you talk to this guy, and he's like, oh, 
I'm glad we're talking again, but I got to go put this thing back in the dock in 17 minutes or I'm going to get charged more. So uh, you want to walk with me to the dock so I can dock my city bike? <laughs> Which are never in a convenient location. <laughs> never. You want to walk six, you wanna, you want to walk 16 blocks with me so I can dock this thing? <laughs> Oh God! That is yeah. ill-advised. And then once you get there, it's full anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now you're just wandering around. And do you uh, <laughs> do you think this guy had this on his uh, phone? Do you think he had that song in his phone, or was he like streaming it off YouTube in the moment, in a very desperate, desperate moment? This guy is not proud. I mean, I I hope I hope <laughs> I'm worth a dollar twenty nine to just buy it. Fair. What a good response. What a good response. So what else? What else do I need to know? Your love life, you're living a miracle love life that anyone could envy. You came up a uh, a, 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 a gay man trumping some of the stereotypes people want to have, even while experiencing the stereotypical aspects of New York gay life. Fascinating first 45 minutes, but I want to know what else. What's the, uh, what, what are the other parts of the big picture with you? The big picture? I think that's something I'm trying to figure out right now, too. I hear uh, that. You know, um, I moved to New York, like I said, like six years ago, almost, I think I had my six-year anniversary like a week ago, uh, came here as soon as I graduated, um, had a job right away, have been doing that, doing it pretty well, but being someone who mentioned earlier, like, wants a family, you know, dogs, things like that, like, New York is not that place it's never felt like a forever place. And I think, uh, you know, finding, you know, you have all the boxes to check off, you know, like you're looking for OTL, you're looking for a great job. You're looking for a blah, blah, And like, now that I've checked off that massive box with OTL, I'm kind of like, Oh my God, it's six years have slipped by, you know, New York's never been in my mind a forever place. But like, when do you, when do you say goodbye? So I think I'm in that position right now, just saying like, well, what's next, you know? Yeah. Well, it comes first. Do you pick a new place first and then you go there and you find a job or whatever? Or do you find a job? Or maybe, you know, like, and that takes you to a new and exciting place. Or maybe there's another job here or something that I haven't done before that is more exciting that would keep me here. Um, so a lot of questions like that are arising as you kind of hit that. And then I have some friends that are like, well, Saturn's return. You're turning 28. You know, you're 28, 29. Like, this is when everyone questions everything. And I'm like, oh, boy. Okay. It is true. Part of living in New York is, like, being deeply in love with New York while simultaneously being – formulating your exit strategy at every second of every day. Yeah, kind of. But, like, also, if you don't think about it, like, six months will slip by. Yeah. But you got a guy moving across also- the country to live here. And you're thinking – before the guy even lands here, you're thinking about your way out? Actually, he came home with me over the holidays to where I'm from, which is uh, the Midwest. Uh, it's, it's Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, just throw out there: someone can trace me based on my many homes. More power to him. Um, anyway, <laughs> he saw it. He never came before, and he's like, "Oh, like I'd be down for moving there too." Like I think it's more about like moving here was for us to be together, and then from here, it's like hand in hand, we can go anywhere. So. Beautiful. I don't think he, he he never saw New York as a forever place either, you know. So I think it's yeah. all about figuring out what's right for us. Wow. 
This is so you got you're getting married. You're gonna marry this guy. Yeah. Have you talked about it with him? Oh yeah, I told him that my dream proposal, because he's gonna propose to me, would be we're seeing Adele when she's here in a few months, and I was like, if you can get Adele to bring you on stage and then bring me on stage and then sing one and only, that would be the best proposal ever. So if you could just make that happen. Wow. If anyone out there is listening, and I don't know, there's no way for me to, there's no way for me to facilitate this. But if, you know, this pop, this podcast has gotten pretty popular uh, in the, in a world where someone connected enough in the music industry or someone with inroads to Adele is listening, Adele, let's make it happen. How do we facilitate this? And you want to have kids? You want to, you want to have kids? Yeah, I do. Um, but also like, and I've had this conversation with him, like, it's more like, yes, it's kind of, I don't know, yes to kids and being open to kids and just figuring it out as we go along, you know, not setting it. Again, my mother's behind my neck saying biological clock, but I think it's just figuring it out together as we go. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. Do you have kids? I don't have kids. I do not. Are they on your to-do list? Yeah, I'd love to someday. I'd love to someday, but it's not a, it's, you know, it's not a, I don't want to get into it too much, but it's not the, right. you know, both lifestyle-wise as an artist and it, and it's not easy. And then also it's not, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a process. It's a thing to figure out. Yeah. And it's a, it can be a little, it can be a little daunting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. We got about 10 minutes left. I'm going to ask you a question that I've never asked anybody on this podcast. But you've taught me. Oh, boy. Okay. No, it's okay. It's not, it's, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to scare you. Sorry. This was a very dramatic setup. I just have a weird question because you live in New York and I might be wrong and I don't, I'm not placing it, but your voice, have we, have we met in real life, you and I? Uh, we have not met. I've seen you before. You've seen me. But we him. haven't spoken. Okay, okay. I thought I recognized your voice. I couldn't place it. That's fair, though. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. We've got 10 minutes left. The world is yours. <laughs> the world is yours. You've got a platform right now. You've told us about love. You've told us about the romantic comedy that you're living in with your hot John, John Hamm-esque boyfriend who's moving across, who's moving 3,000 miles just to chase love and be with you, at which point you guys can conquer everything. You, you're going to propose at an Adele show someday. We've heard that. Maybe have What's kids, hell? maybe not. You're in, uh, you're in it together. With 10 minutes left, okay, you got this platform. What do we want to do? What do we want to say? What advice do you want to give the world? What, what non-advice do you want to give the world? That's one thing I've noticed about you is you don't, you don't live very politically. You even said in college people wanted it to be more political when you came out. And you were like, no, I think I'd rather just be, I'd rather just be who I am. Yeah, I'm not a political person, especially with, you know, obviously the election and I just not, I don't know. You know, there's a few things I don't know a lot about, and it's like cars, sports, and politics. I'm informed enough to be able to speak about them intelligently, but not, I'm just not a debater, you know? Yeah. So political platforms aren't necessarily on my list of things. Okay, so we're not going, for. we're not going political with your last uh, nine minutes at this point. Where are we <laughs> going? Where are we going with your last nine minutes then? I don't know. 
Um, I mean, the whole point of telling the story, and I guess, was just to give hope to the hopeless romantics. Um, just because, I don't know, I questioned myself for a very long time, and was just like, oh, well, this guy is nice, like, why not just settle down? But what's the point of settling in anything, you know? Yeah, never settle. Yeah, now I feel like I'm on a soapbox and I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've completely forced you there for my own self-serving desires to drive these downloads through the roof, baby. Right. Well, you're already going to get so many downloads because I've said J-Lo 4,000 times. <laughs> J-Lo, yeah, this one will come up on the J-Lo algorithm really big. Although I will say this, yeah. no offense to J-Lo, I have great respect for her. I do get the sense you're overestimating consistently her current day cultural relevance i mean her skin is flawless have you seen her recently i actually she will be around for a long time yeah you're so you're you're a uh you're a, a fierce protector of j-lo's legacy and current output again i'm so not and now i'm like kicking myself my last you know eight <laughs> Seven minutes are going to be about J-Lo again. This is the amount of times J-Lo has been said for someone who's not that into J-Lo is really is pretty astounding. Pretty astounding. It really, really is. I'm going to, yeah. Are there artists right. that you love no way more, more than J-Lo? Are there artists you love way more than J-Lo that haven't come up at all? Uh, Adele. Ever heard of her? Well, no need for the dude. We've been getting along so well for 53 minutes of our lives, and then all of a sudden, I'm, I feel like I'm being attacked. I've heard of Adele. One I'm of just my, kidding. I know you are. One of my favorite life moments of recent years is when my dad told me that he goes to the gym and he runs on a treadmill. And he was like, I was like, he t- okay, here's the story. My dad told me he joined a gym called Flex Appeal. And I thought that was the best thing I'd ever heard of my entire life. When my dad told me That's he was, when, yeah, and he went, and I would just constantly make fun of him. He has since move on, moved on, I think largely because my brother and I make fun of Flex Appeal so much. And we always used to say he'd come back from the gym when we'd visit him. He'd like go to the gym and come back. We'd be like, oh, where were you? And he'd be like at the gym. And we'd be like, oh, what's that gym called again? And he'd be like, it's this place down the road. It's called Flex Appeal. And we'd be like, ah! And he'd be like, fuck you. And he tricked me into saying it, you know? And then finally one day I said to my dad, like, you know, he was like, he was like, I don't get why you're always making fun of me about Flex Appeal, man. Like, I just go, I run on the treadmill, I listen to music. Like, it's normal. It's fine. It's just called Flex Appeal. And I don't know why, but in the moment, I was like, what do you listen to? Like, you listen to music at Flex Appeal? What are you listening to? He's like, you know, like, normal stuff, like Adele. And the image of my dad <laughs> running on a treadmill listening to Adele at a place called Flex Appeal is, like, one, one of the most happy images I have in my brain. Well, maybe he does it, but as he's sweating, it hides his tears from listening to someone like you. Wait, he's what? To hide, hide <laughs> the tears? He's sweating from running, so he's hiding his tears from listening to someone like you. Do you think I'm a... The t- Adele song. Do you think I... Wait, the, oh, 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 that's an Adele song. Yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar enough. I thought you were saying I caused my father to cry <laughs> often. I, well, I don't know about that. That might be a whole other episode. Nah, it's not. My dad's not much of a crier. He might have a softer side than you're aware of if he's listening to Adele every day as he works out. He has softened greatly in his retirement age. I think he would be the first to agree with that. My dad was a, <laughs> I wouldn't say a hard guy, but he was a, he, was a, he had a tough side growing up and it has largely gone away as he retired and just goes to Disney World and listens to Adele at Flex Appeal. 
amazing. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Four and a half minutes. I can't hang up. You can hang up. You cannot hang up. You can say whatever you want. We can keep going. I've enjoyed this. I've had fun of you. Yeah, this has been great. I think my only regret, if I was going to do this again, would be to not mention you know who again. I think, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, but yeah, um, so love is real. That's I, what that's what our uh, listeners can walk away from with this one. Love is real. Is that what your outro is going to be? I don't know. I can't. I, I, I'll come uh, up with that in four minutes because knowing this podcast, you might drop a <laughs> you could drop a bomb in the next four minutes and I'll have to deal with that. Oh my god! People are always doing that. Maybe I'll come up with a bomb. Um, yeah, love is real. Uh, don't give up hope. Uh, she's out there somewhere. She, she, whoever it is. Yeah, there somewhere, and that shit doesn't um, matter. That doesn't matter at all. Twenty sixteen. I do like the idea. I do like the idea knowing that there's probably like some fucking bigots in this world who have an agenda, who like to always paint um, gay men as like a uh, uh, very promiscuous bunch who have listened to you consistently just say like, no, I was out for love, found love, all about love. And I know you're not a political person, but I love like just being someone who lives in New York City and has a ton of gay friends. I love, I love, um, I love reminding bigots like, no, nobody, come on, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, and it's it's funny because like, you know, I have a lot of gay friends, I have a lot of straight women friends, and uh, not a lot of straight male friends. But oh, that's um, interesting. Like, <laughs> we're best friends now. I think um, so. Yeah. We can watch rom-coms together. Um, but what I was going to say was, like, both my straight female friends and my gay male friends, like, sure, you know, it's equally promiscuous on both sides, but, like, I think when it comes down to it, even those that I would say are the most promiscuous are still, at the end of the day, looking for love. And, you know, they may say, like, oh, I'm not, I'm just looking for someone for tonight or whatever. Like, there's always that little hope the next day that there's going to be something or that, you know you see that person at the bar, you see that person on Tinder or something, you know? And I think a lot of times, like in the state, people ghost, do you know what ghosting is? I am familiar. Thank you, millennial for checking in with my knowledge of ghosting. I have heard, I'm aware <laughs> of the phrase ghosting. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like people aren't ghosted so frequently these days. And I have my, you know, friends who are ghosted or they will ghost and most just be like, Oh, this person isn't texting me back. And I'm like, well, you receive what you get out. So if you yeah. ghost, you're going to get ghosted. You know, it's kind of what's around the world. And like, I always try and say, and I'm not trying to say that from a soapbox or from a place like, well, I found my OTL. So like, I know everything. It's like, don't. But like, even before that, I'm always like, closure is the key to just ending the questions. So I think people describe themselves crazy with questions. Like he goes to me, but if he's going to come back and if he comes back, you just going to want to sleep together again. Or if you're looking for something, you know? Yeah. And I just feel like a lot, there's always all these loose ends out in the world these days with, you know, you match with someone on Tinder and then you're texting them and then you're having this intimate texting relationship when you're probably sharing more with that person that you've never even met before than you are with your coworker who you sit next to and you see every day and speak every day, but you don't have that same level yeah. of intimacy. And so, uh, I don't know, like I always say to my friends, whether they're on the outside promiscuous, I think deep down, and some people aren't. I know there's always exceptions to generalities, but yeah, I, get I don't that. know. Like, 
you're looking for something, you have to try for it. And like, I, again, I'll have friends that are like, oh, like, what about, you remember this guy? Like, what about him? I'm like, well, I texted mine out of nowhere and, you know, this is what happened. You know, it's always easier to say you have nothing to lose and then you lose something. But I think a lot of it's about trying and kind of just standing up for yourself and just, I guess, treating others how you want to be treated. I think it's what they call the golden rule. That is beautiful. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is no matter what, no matter what you set out for and whether that love is maybe the traditional view of American love or not, it sounds like what you're saying is all those people, all their instincts, they return. And the grand facade so soon will burn without a noise, without their pride. (laughs) They reach out from the inside. Exactly. Thank you for the call. This was really a great talk. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. Great. It's a good time. You're a good guy. And I am so happy you found that love you've been looking for. Thank you. Yeah. Sing along with me if you feel like it. This is a great way to end. I get so <laughs> lost sometimes. You're staying on longer than an hour just for this sing along. Just so you know, first ever person we've broken so I just wanted to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sing along, but I just wanted to hear well, it. You're going to have to hear me sing along. And I want to run away. Okay. In my car. Picture me holding up a boombox. <laughs> Sitting on a city bike like a fucking... <laughs> okay, now I'm going to hang up on you like I hung up on him. Fair. <laughs> Great <Okay>. timing. <laughs> you're the best. Bye. Thank you. All my instincts, they return. The grand facade... So soon we'll burn, you and me, Idris Elba, without a noise. Stringer bell, baby. I'll reach out from the inside. That's a real love story. It's a real beautiful love story we all got to hear. I like hearing that. It makes me remember my love story with my wife. I would love to hear your love story, so... Call in someday. Again, if you follow me on Twitter, that's the way to make that happen. And also, you know what? There's a lot of people interacting about this show, and I'm very active. I read it all. It means a lot to me. Uh, Reddit.com slash r slash Earwolf. A lot of people have been so kind and also so critical, and that's totally fair. The Earwolf.com forums, I check them out, and, and, and people tweet at me. They let me, let me know what they think. It means a lot. So let me know about your love story. Let me know how you think the show is going and any of those places. I, I really do enjoy it. I want to thank you guys all for listening. I want to thank our caller for calling. I want to thank John Delore, Greta Cohn for making this show happen. I want to thank Shell Shag for the intro music. They're really great. They're two great people and I hope you guys enjoy their music. It's catchy and it sticks in your head. Support them. If you want to know more about my TV show, thechrisgethardshow.com We've got all our episodes up on YouTube. Season 2 went great. I think you guys will love the show. I'm really, really proud of it. And I'm, I'm getting on the road. Now that the Gethard show is over, I'm getting on the road a bunch. Uh, go to chrisgeth.com slash shows. I'm going to be all over the U.S. I'm going to be in Ireland. I'm going to be in Scotland. And uh, you can check out all those dates. And if you're a beautiful anonymous fan, I'd love to meet you. Sincerely. I would sincerely love to shake your hand and say thank you for supporting the show. You guys have been all so kind to me. That's that. We'll be back next week. With more, uh, with more revealing phone calls that you can listen to in a way that feels a little too personal. We'll see you then. Face, face.
Now, you might you might be thinking about coming back or maybe not coming back to this podcast, but I'm going to tease you. I'm going to give you a little bit. Here's what you might hear next time. I don't know if it's uh, related to anxiety or related to just me being a more rotund person, but I do have, like, gas stuff as of late, which is weird. You're, you're um, a rotund and gassy man is what you just said. I want to just underline that. You just I'm, did reveal yourself as a rotund, gassy man. I'm like a less white Michelin man, Chris. Interesting. Um, it's, a, it's a very vivid description. <laughs> this, I could catch this train. You're going to jump on that train? Yeah, I'll catch this train. I'm going to catch on this train real quick. I think I'm going to try and stay on the call. I don't know how much time we have. Ooh, I would love Let's that. see if I can piss people off. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Everybody, make it punky if you can't really sing, like me. In your eyes, the light, the heat, I am complete. It's weird. The lyrics are weird. Harder to remember than I thought. Be that complete. Do we have to play royalties on this or do we just pray Peter Gabriel never notices? This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.